If you think in the old way, you are not going to reuse code between applications. And if you want to reuse code, this is something that you need. Uh, for example, a customer once asked, hey, what, what we did in this application is exactly what we need in this new one. Can we just copy and paste the code? <laughs> this is a common question. Yeah. If you remember, if you copy and paste the code with a bug, then yeah. you have two bugs. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have to solve the same thing two times. Yeah. So having, having this in a shared library would be the solution. But then you realize that this shared library would have a separated life cycle with its own versions and releases. So the whole ecosystem starts to grow. And if you do not define basic guidelines for that, this will rapidly get out of control. So you need this. You're listening to the Vaadin Insider Podcast, a show aiming to uncover the processes, mental models, and tools that go into building mission-critical enterprise business applications. We interview business and technical stakeholders involved in the enterprise application development lifecycle and share the lessons learned from building business applications that run the global economy. In this episode, we have Martin Lopez. Uh, he's an information systems engineer and the CEO of Flowing Code, an Argentinian software development company focused on enterprise application development on the Java platform. Martin and I discussed the development inefficiencies in enterprise legacy app modernization projects that calls for the need of software configuration management, what constitutes a SCM system with regards to enterprise business apps development, and the cost savings opportunities that enterprises can realize with SCM when modernizing the legacy application that has reached its end of life. What's the problem in the enterprise application development cycle, especially when we're talking legacy modernization projects uh, that uh, has led to SCM being something that exists today? When companies start creating their own software or hiring contractors for that, mm -hmm. uh, they usually start with one big piece of software, you know, as a scale for being delivered and an estimate date to be in production. Mm -hmm. So within that perspective, having control of how that main application or the new ones that are coming behind them are going to grow together is not something that is on the top of the priorities list, you know. Um, this is because at stage, we still see the software in an old-fashioned way. At a given point of time, then you realize that it is not a final product that once it's built, just keeps functioning without modifications and things like that. And you know, applications are like living entities that grow and mutate, trying to embrace new user-requested features, even when you are still creating the first parts of it. So it's clear that uh, you need a methodology that will define in a solid way how to control the application lifecycle. You need that. And for that is SEM, software configuration or change management. This is especially relevant in legacy applications because newer ones are already designed with these concepts in mind. So, you know, uh, a different perspective that can lead to having to implement SEM is that after successfully implementing the first big application, 
then you start developing new ones and probably with different contractors, each one of them having their own way of handling software changes. And one of the things is that if you think in the old way, you are not going to reuse code between applications. And if you want to reuse code, this is something that you need. Uh, for example, a customer once asked, hey, what, what we did in this application is exactly what we need in this new one. Can we just copy and paste the code? <laughs> this is a common question. Yeah. If, remember, if you copy and paste the code with a bug, then yeah. you have two bugs. Yeah. And then you have to solve the same thing two times. Yeah. So having, having this in a shared library would be the solution. But then you realize that this shared library would have a separated life cycle with its own versions and releases. Mm -hmm. So the whole ecosystem starts to grow. And if you do not define basic guidelines for that, mm -hmm. this will rapidly get out of control. So you need this. Okay, interesting. So, you know, when we are looking at an enterprise system, especially right now with, with COVID-19 and everybody focusing on cost saving opportunities, you know, minimizing business risk, looking into quality and business costs. So, what are some cost-saving opportunities with uh, an SCM system in place? And we can focus on mainly on you know, legacy, decades-old decades old legacy systems that has reached its end of life and architects and teams are now getting together to map out the, you know, the new modern application development. Okay, well, good, good question. I would say that the main resource that, uh, that I would mention is wasted without a proper SCM implemented in a company is time. And you know, time equals money. You have time spent writing the code again because a recent fix was not included in the new version that was production. That is something really common. Time spent, we do not know which shaded library was used for building a new feature. You know, that you, you are trying to find those shaded library and you can find it. Time spent on training a new engineer for building the productive releases. That is something really common. Time spent on solving an issue because this new engineer, without knowing, put an experiment on production because the deployment was made from his or her machine. Mm. So, you know, when SCM is in place, building a new major version of an application while you are maintaining a production with bad fixes, and developing a groundbreaking new performance change, all in parallel with different teams and with minimal impact on software quality is something that you can achieve. If you are not taking SEM into account, that is probably impossible. Uh, so that is like something important to, to have in mind. And regarding this decades old legacy application, those are usually maintained with team with a lot of experience in the know-how, in the business mm -hmm. logic of yeah. the application, right? But probably they are a little bit outdated in this discipline, so training them to use these techniques and tools uh, will, will give a new life to legacy applications because mm -hmm. they can be more agile. They can uh, adapt to changes. No, that, that actually, I, I, can, I can see connect the dots right now because, you know, when we are talking to technical stakeholders working on this legacy, you know, swing modernization projects, they do say that they keep them, all the young 
modern de- young developers they just want to <laughs> dump dump everything from the legacy stack <laughs> stuff code base and they want to just build everything from scratch but then architects have to slow them down and say hey there's a lot of business logic that we can reuse <laughs> and and an application knowledge that is needed uh, so let's combine the best of both worlds. So it sounds like uh, the software configuration management system can really help save time for teams for not having to reinvent the wheel and, you know, not have to replicate the bugs uh, and pretty much helps also with uh, ramping up new developers joining the team. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, I mean, so let's, let's do this, you know, software configuration management system, how, I mean, I, I, I know there's, you know, DevOps and there's a CICD process, uh, companies have QA testing, and I'm, 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 you know, familiar with the Scale Agile framework. Why don't we touch base on what are the things that constitutes a SEM system? Okay, well, good question. Well, I will mention five things, at least, that... I would love to discuss with a possible customer to see if they are up to date with, with this thing. No, the sure. first thing mm-hmm. is co-versioning system. I know that probably the ones that are listening to this could have a good laugh after hearing that I'm starting with this basic thing, but you know, in the current development community, something that you can't even think to live without it. Mm-hmm. If you start doing even a small library, the first thing that you're probably going to create is a GitHub repository. So mm-hmm. new developers already know about this, right? Mm-hmm. But you will be surprised to know that there are still a lot of big companies that have legacy applications being maintained by developers, probably all developers maybe, that do not know what is Git or Subversion or whatever. Uh, there are a lot of examples of that. So it seems something basic but it's not. So uh, and then you have, mm-hmm. then you, you also have managers that still think that the main reason for using a CBS is for having a history log of changes of the code. Mm-hmm. And that is not the main reason. Uh, the main reason for using a good CBS is that will allow you, your application to be developed and maintained by a team. Mm-hmm. Allows teamwork. Yeah. It's, a bunch of people working together in the same code base, yeah. having a good CBS installed doesn't mean that you know how to use properly. So yeah. the first thing to check is that the right tool is there and this be, is being used like it should. Big point one. <laughs> so okay, so I mean, so code versioning system, version control, and I I did think you know being able to audit was one and makes sense as a part of being an agile team to be working as a team that's why it's uh, mandatory i'm curious so what's the what was the legacy way of building software without uh, cvs how does that sound or look like oh i hear many stories one of them is <laughs> please tell a story yeah. Simple, yeah. yeah for example simple copying and pasting the source code file and adding a one two three four version at the end of the file name <laughs> That would be a prehistoric way of handling the history of, and of course that doesn't allow you to work as a team. So team, yeah, okay. You can find everything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really a really important point, starting point. You you need a good CVS. Uh, what else? Well, the next one is something that you might be surprised to hear. In many language platforms available for developing big and serious enterprise systems you have the same concept. The code, your code, your source code 
is compiled in some way and some kind of binary artifact is generated, mm -hmm. you know, starting from C++, Java and others. Then you have this binary artifact, you are going to test that and put into production. You're going to deploy that. Mm -hmm. So sometimes these generated artifacts are used to generate other artifacts. Mm -hmm. For example, like library, libraries, you know. Yeah. Some of them are discardable, but others should remain safe somewhere mm -hmm. uh, because you need to use it. So in this thing, the second thing I'm going to mention is a package repository, okay? For example, you, you are going to have it, some developers from other teams are going to download the artifacts, some others are going to upload it. Uh, examples of these tools are Artifactory and Nexus. There are others, and the good thing is that is something across the boundaries of every development platform that you're going to find. There are similar concepts in Java, in .NET, in, even in JavaScript. Uh, mm -hmm. In JavaScript, you do not generate binaries, but you generate compressed and optimized versions of the sources. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's something similar. You need to store it somewhere, and then you need to download it. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is the same as point one. It helps you to work as a team. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm curious, is Webpack a part of Packages Repository? Yeah, in fact, Webpack could be a tool that uses uh, a package manager like mm, no, NPM. NPM, NPM yeah. would be that. Okay. Interesting. In, in Java world, you use Maven that we download artifacts from other tools like the ones I said. Mm -hmm. um, in, even in .NET, is some, there is something similar, so it's a common yeah. Okay, so we have code version system, we have packages repo, both of them makes, I mean, a lot of sense. Uh, what else do we have under SCM? Then the other one is something that is more widely used, but I would mention a issue tracking tool. It's difficult nowadays to think that a company is not using something like this. But again, mm -hmm. some companies, for example, rely on external application provided by contractors. They do not host themselves a issue tracking tool. Uh, or maybe you, you have cases where they're using one, but it's not being used as it should or being ignored, totally ignored. So mm. it's a key concept. Uh, if you want a team working together, you need to organize them. Mm. Having an issue tracking tool is fundamental. You, yeah. you need to, it's a way of communicating the changes. You need to report the issues. You need to track what was done and what is still go, going on. So you cannot have a good SEM if you do not know how to handle the changes. This is the basic. Yeah, yeah this I would, is the uh, SEM. <laughs> I, I would go nuts if every you know every week someone comes out of their head or you know they feel like oh there is a bug let's go fix this today <laughs> instead of being able to see the whole backlog of all the yeah. <laughs> tickets. Yeah. So what's yeah so what's next then? Okay, well the next thing it's the. Continuous integration tools, there are many ones. I usually call this like the cherry at the top of the pie. It's the last thing that you need to implement, but usually it's one of the first things that developers want to install. Mm -hmm. uh, this like, is because it's like having a battle or something, that someone that is doing things for you. Automating. Uh, especially, yeah, tasks. Yeah, yeah, repetitive tasks. So mm -hmm. uh, that is why usually you see this thing first. Mm -hmm. But... You know, there are other benefits. For example, 
by continuously running the build after each change mm -hmm. is committed. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have a language that is strongly typed, like Java, Java .NET, or yeah. something like that, a lot of issues can be found before going into production. Okay. Right? But you need a tool that will automatically build everything. So you do not have to do that. Yeah. You know, uh, then some other problems that may arise when more than one developer are working in the same release, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe they are committing different parts, uh, or incompatible parts of code and the continuous integration tool is going to find those problems before going into production. Mm -hmm. uh, another thing is that the CI server provides, uh, I usually say, accept, an accepted environment for building the deliveries, a, a clean yeah. environment for yeah. building the deliveries. Mm -hmm. uh, you will be surprised uh, to know that many big companies rely on senior developers for building the production delivery. That is something really common. And, Something that okay, so a dedicated uh, senior developer just to handle the, the CI, continuous integration, CD part. Exactly. That, yeah. that should be done by, in a clean environment by yeah. an automatic tool. Cool. So is this like a, like a Jenkins that we're talking about? Exactly, before? exactly. Jenkins is the most used tool for, for this, but there are others in case you want. And for example, in GitHub, you have Team CD. What else? Well, finally, I would say an SEM manifest. You know, implementing SEM is like going to the grocery and choosing tools and workflows and everything. But you need to have a central document that states the decision, the decision that you made, right? Uh, and there are other things that are not tools. For example, you need to define the version scheme, the version scheme that you're going to use. I, I am going to use three-digit, two-digit, four-digits. That is a decision, right? And you also need to define the workflow that will answer questions like, when I should upgrade a given version? What steps are needed for moving from one environment to the other? Yeah. When the tickets are, are going to be closed? There are many things, many decisions that you need to make. You cannot do things different in each application, right? Mm -hmm. So the best thing is to stop and write those things down so everyone in the company is using the same approach. This is especially important if you are having contractors, developers. So it sounds like more like a standards that you have already written exactly. and said. Yeah, okay, exactly. interesting. So uh, I'm curious, if I'm starting a fresh new application development, more like a chicken and egg, do the does the SCM configuration come first or do you start building? Because you said uh, developers want to go tackle the CI installation first, but that should come in the end. Yeah, yeah, yes, you can start it depends, of course, in the scenario, but if you are a company that is starting to, to, to create their first application, maybe you can do that in parallel at the beginning of your first application. But mm -hmm. if you let the time go and then you have five applications being created at the same time, so trying to define that in that time would be difficult okay. because you need to yep. put everyone in the room and say, hey, stop yeah. and let's start fresh. So it's better to start at the beginning. Okay. So it sounds like it's more like you do it once, do it right, and then you don't have to worry about it. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, I mean, the whole, you know, specifically focusing on legacy applications that, you know, enterprises are reaching end of life today. There are quite a few stakeholders involved, business and technical. Who are the people in the enterprise app development cycle who would find the most value in SCM? 
you know, based on their uh, primary work responsibilities? Good. Well, I would start with developers. Nowadays, it's difficult to find a senior developer willing to start working on a given project where these techniques are not being used or used in the wrong way. Their primary responsibilities can be delivered in the correct way if the environment is lacking the basics, SEM principles. So they are, they have a big impact on these things. So I would start on them. Then you have architects. Architects should be the ones lifting the flag of SEM, even that you cannot design the architecture of a big application without taking into account that it will be implemented in an iterative way. Mm -hmm. You know, best architectures start by being simple mm -hmm. and then they evolve. So implicitly in their evolution is the software evolution itself. Mm -hmm. And without a good SEM, we already saw that you cannot, uh, the, the applications cannot grow as it should. So yeah. architects should be really involved in this, in this process. Then, you know, you have DevOps. They will be happy to know that the developers are handling the software lifecycle way. In, in a different scenario, their job is going to be harder. Usually having a lot of DevOps or having a complex DevOps schemes is like a sign that maybe the SEM is not being handled well enough. Yeah. Then having a differentiation between backends and frontends is the same because we are talking about software development. So mm -hmm. it will affect everyone yeah. writing code in the company, basically. It sounds like, I mean, from a from business, if I were to wear an engineering manager hat, it's, it's more as a development efficiency, you know? the yeah development efficient the operational efficiency of the software development cycle and you're just being more efficient uh, with your processes exactly. interesting i mean i I've, I've i've learned that you know by asking the right questions we can find the right answers so let's again put on the hat of you know these architects and the developers who could see the benefits of you know having an SEM in place what are the questions uh, from your experience that you've seen to really help people understand if they have a proper SEM in place or are they missing out and you know wasting their the time and, and budget which SEM can really help them save on those fronts good yes there there are many many questions that that you you can ask yourself to to see if you need this i will start in the same order for example are we securing our code base as we should you know your code is gold mm -hmm. it's the main part of your application you need to to store it in a safe place yeah. and store it and you should be able to see the history of the code that is mm -hmm. part of the code itself so that would be the first question yeah. then i would ask myself is are we working as a team with the source code? Like I said, in multiple parallel branches without major issues when maintaining production and developing new features, everything at the same time. You know, there are a lot of companies that cannot do that, simply cannot do that. It mostly relies on the capabilities of your BCS. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. For example, there are all CVS that... Uh, yeah, can make you work in that way. So then another question is that are we sharing code between the applications using libraries? This, this is something that I usually see that maybe you have big companies with many applications and they want to share the code, but who, who will be maintaining that in order to maintain the shared code, you need to implement the SEM. Mm -hmm. So that is a good, good question. Related to binary repository, are we securely storing production artifacts somewhere? You know, production artifacts are really important. You need to store it somewhere if you need to do a rollback, yeah. right? So are, are we tracking issues and assignments with the right tool? Mm -hmm. Do we know how to use it? Are we getting the full potential out of it? Mm -hmm. 
that is related, obviously, to an issue tracking tool. What's uh, I mean, I know at Vardin, I think we use GitLab. What are some other issue tracking tools? Well, there are a lot of uh, issue tracking. You you can use, for example, GitHub if you are using uh, if you are creating yeah. open source libraries. But now you can also create private uh, projects. So that is a good place to to use a, a good online tool to use. But then you have Others like uh, Redmine is open source. You have commercial tools like Jira and Matis yeah. and m- many tools. Uh, okay. Easy to find. <laughs> yeah. well, so, what else? Yeah. Related to the, the other tool, who is creating our production deliveries? Uh, what happens if you have a guy that is creating the artifact disappears? Yeah. What happens if his computer blows up? Yeah. <laughs> you know, th- that is something that is really important. Yeah. You, you cannot rely on one single person for creating the, okay. the artifacts that are going to go to production. Interesting. So, okay, so SCM kind of helps offset that because it's not dependent on a one single person, but it's just a system that many people can access. Exactly. It's just a matter of training the new one with the tool. and You can, of, of course, create documents for that, and, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Then I would say, are we letting an external contractor for example, to, to define how we should control our software. That is something common that I usually see. Mm-hmm. If not, are those decisions well documented? This is like a starting point for defining your manifest, yeah. the place where you are deciding how are you going to use SEM. So that is a good question. Interesting. One, one thing interesting there is, so I've come across enterprises, fortune companies, where they say, yeah, we don't work with external contractors. Could a good question instead of that will be, hey, you know, how are you guys, you know, controlling? Do you guys have an SEM in place? And that might surface if those guys, if the companies have any system standards in place or not. And that's a better angle to, commu- you know, to have a technical discussion rather than just asking a yes or no question. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, totally agree with that. Yes, I was only mentioning that because we're talking about big companies, but there are, of course, uh, smaller size companies that are starting or maybe companies that they do not create software. They sell something. Mm -hmm. They sell tomatoes. I don't know. So they don't want to be involved in these things. So start, you know, contracting providers yeah. for creating software and they um, they realize that they have a mess. Mm-hmm. So they have to take control in yeah. a certain point of time, of course. Yeah. The, the final question is, if the tools that we use in our carbon build process is at the par with the product quality that management expects. And that's a wrap up for this episode. If you're interested to be a guest in the show or you have topics you would like to learn more about related to enterprise application development, find us at vadin.com slash podcast. Mm-hmm.